everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Got a great show for you. Finally, the promised interview. I've been <laughs> trying to get this set up for a little while. We're going to be talking today with John Graham Cumming for the second time. We talked to him about a year ago. Last year, we talked to him about internet security, uh, the internet of things. And today, we're going to talk to him about something that you use every single day, multiple times a day if you're on the web and don't even realize it. And it's a fundamentally crucial part of how we access the internet, but most of us never give it a second thought. It's called the Domain Name System, or DNS, and basically it's the Internet's phone book. And we're going to talk today with John Cram coming about this, why it's so crucially important and why we need to uh, take some steps to make it both private and secure, because currently, in most cases, it is not. But we've got some great technology on the way, including from his company, Cloudflare, and uh, I'm going to let him explain all about it. So without further ado, let's talk with John Graham Cumming. All right, with me today, as promised, is the one and only John Graham Cumming. He's the Chief Technology Officer for the Internet and Performance and Security Company, Cloudflare. Welcome back to the show, John. Thank you very much for having me again. It was a great chat last time. I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> me too. I wouldn't want to get it back for a long time. So just to refresh our audience's uh, memory, tell us a little bit about Cloudflare and, and, and what it is that they do. Okay, so Cloudflare is a company that everyone listening to this has used without realizing it. And the reason for that is our business is making websites and the back end of apps faster and protecting them from the hackers. And we have about 9 million websites and what we call APIs, which mm -hmm. is the back end to apps you might have on your phone. And they are passing through our network. And so when you use an app that uses us or you go to a website that uses us, We've taken a little bit of a look at what you're doing to see if you're a hacker or not. <laughs> if you were, if you were, we blocked you. And if um, you're not, then we would have done everything we can to speed up the connection so you get as fast an experience as possible. The last time we talked was just uh, just over a year ago, I think. And at the time, we were talking about uh, the security of the Internet of Things or the lack mm -hmm. thereof. Um, so today, I want to get into something much more fundamental, much more basic, and uh, kind of like Cloudflare, it's something that we that that we all use all the time, every time we access the web, but we don't realize it. Uh, it's, it's, it's been around since the, the very, very beginning, and yet it's something that we have given short shrift until, I think actually recently, this has become much, much more of an issue, which is why we're here talking today. So, and that is DNS, or domain name system. Uh, so at a high level, what is DNS? Well, yeah, as you say, this is one of those things that you use without realizing it. And that what that is is when you type in something in a web browser, like you type in, you know, www.google.com or in other parts of your computer where there's an, a name look like that used, that needs to be turned into something that the computer can actually work with because it doesn't work directly with the name. And this is a bit like looking up a phone number in a phone book. Mm -hmm. You can't call the name of the person, but you have to call their number. And so the d domain name system, DNS, translates a name into an IP address, which is a sequence of numbers. And then your computer can contact that IP address, that server somewhere, that service, and actually carry on with what you were trying to do, such as download a web page. So there's this fundamental step, which is, how do I go from the name to the number? And that lookup is done in this big sort of phone directory. People remember phone directories, <laughs> uh, which is called the domain name system. Um, and it's been around, as you say, it was created the, the first what we call RFCs, uh, which is the specifications of the Internet, really, it was from 1987. So it's been around a while. And mm. it's fundamental. I mean, you use it all the time. Your web browser, your computer is chatting to domain name servers 
around the world asking for, hey, where can I find this thing? Yeah, so yeah, basically the phone number, the, uh, the phone book of the internet. And I do remember phone books. Thank God they stopped giving those. They used to give them to me whether I wanted them or not. I actually had to chase down people. Like they would, I'd see them coming around my neighborhood dropping these on my doorstep. And I'm like, no, 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 take it away. I don't want this. For years, way after, you know, I, I didn't need a phone book anymore. But obviously we need this particular <laughs> DNS phone book. We do. We do. <laughs> okay, so. Now, if the if we use DNS to figure out how to get to, uh, you know, basically every place we get to on the web, how do we figure out how to get to DNS? How do we how do we know if there's multiple ones of these out there that we could choose from? How, how does our computer know which how to find the DNS in the first place? Right. Well, if you don't know anything about DNS and you've never fiddled around with DNS configuration on your computer, then your computer is almost certainly using the DNS server of your internet service provider. So, fundamental to your ISP will be. They will give you a connection, and that connection will get an IP address, which is you connecting to the Internet. And they will also provide some information about two things. One of them is the DNS servers that the ISP runs and the what's called the gateway, which is the how do, they, how do you actually connect out to the Internet. And I guess we're not going to talk about gateways today, but the DNS server, which your ISP has, is where your computer will contact, and it, it will have just an IP address. It doesn't have a name. Otherwise, you have a kind of a bootstrapping problem with how do I look up the name of the mm-hmm. DNS server. But you sort of connect to this IP address and say, send out what's called a query saying, hey, tell me the number for www.google.com, for example. So this happens all the time. It happens automatically. We don't have to worry about it, which is why you've never heard of this thing. <laughs> but yep. it's there all the time. So All the time. Crucially, why do I? Why would I ever want to change that? So my ISP, they, they're my internet service provider. Why wouldn't I want to use their service for this for this lookup? It seems to be logical. Well, the most common reason people change is speed. Um, if you think that looking up this number is the first thing your computer has to do before you get to visit a website or something like that, then if you can make that bit faster, um, then you can make your overall experience faster. And so you'll find that there are companies that offer service um, for DNS for free, typically, or there are some that are paid that are generally faster than the one your ISP provides. Your ISP will provide something reliable because they need to, but they're not necessarily in the game of making that particular step fast. So how could it be that if my internet service provider, you know, everything travels at the speed of light, but, you know, it's got to go through routers and other computers and, and whatnot, and it's kind of a turnaround time thing, right? It's like, how quickly can I get that that query out and get the response back so I can get on to Amazon.com or Google.com? How could it possibly be that anybody could be, you know, in internet terms, closer to me uh, mm-hmm. than my ISP? So there are some companies uh, which are actively in the game of being close to you. So Cloudflare, the company I work for, fundamental to making the web faster, is one of the things we do, is having computers near to you. As you alluded to, the speed of light is a bit of a problem. It seems really, really fast, but it turns out that the planet we're on is fairly fast, and if you contact a server that is far away, there's actually a significant delay caused by the speed of light. So you need to get close to the end user. And so companies like Cloudflare, and there are others, Google, for example, has done this, has built out a network across the world, uh, hundreds and hundreds of locations where they run services such as uh, DNS services. 
let's let's talk about yours and there are others uh so uh, cloudflare has one that they've released recently called 1.1.1.1 which is the ip address of the dns service and there are others as well so tell us a little bit about 1.1.1 <laughs> doesn't really flow uh four ones <laughs> and from cloudflare and how, there are others there's open dns is a, is a popular yeah. one there's quad 9 which is 9.9.9.9 uh and yeah. google of course has one too so tell us yeah. about yours and tell us how they compare well, so what we decided to do was we, we had this network already because we provide our service across it. And um, we provide DNS for our customers. So if you're a customer of ours, we are the authority that says, hey, this is the name for this particular website. And when you're the authority, that's great. That's the ultimate place that your ISP's DNS would ask. So what, what happens is when, when your ISP's, when you go to your ISP's what's called resolver, which is a DNS server, and say, hey, where's Google? It may not know where Google is, and it will have to go ask somebody else. So there's actually a chain reaction that mm. happens where it goes and asks some other servers, and, and eventually it becomes goes to the authority, and the authority for Google will say, okay, well, this is where it is. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why ISP resolvers can be slower. If you're going to something which other people on your ISP are not visiting commonly, so you've got a particular niche interest and you go to a particular website, um, your, that name may not be in your ISP's DNS mm. server. Okay. And so it'll have to go and find the authority, and that adds even more delay. Whereas if you use something that's widely shared, like ours or Google's or one of those, then it's quite likely that someone else in the world is interested in the same thing as you mm. and has already look, looked up that name, as we say, looked it up in the book. So that's... That's one thing. So, so we build out these servers all over the world. We put them near to end users. And uh, because we had those servers, we said, well, if we were to offer what's called a recursor, so this is this service, right, this DNS service that, that end users, people all over the world could use, then it would make our service for our customers faster because we would be very, very close to the authority. Right? We're on the same machine, actually. Uh, and so looking things up in the authority would be very, very quick. So it was sort of a great benefit for our customers. And then at the same time, we said, since we have this large network, we can build something really, really that works really, really fast. And in fact, we came out of the gate as the fastest DNS in the mm. world globally. I mean, it just because <laughs> of the scope of our network. Um, and at the same time, we said to ourselves, look, there's more you can do if you're a resolver to help end users. Speed is one thing, but the other one is privacy. Now, what is not mm. well understood is that when your machine asks, makes this query, uh, what is this address, um, anyone who is snooping on your network, be they at home or in a coffee shop where you're working, can see exactly what name you right. look for. Now, that might be fine if it's google.com, everybody looks at Google, but it <laughs> might be something that you'd rather people didn't know about. Right. And even if there isn't a snooper, you are asking your ISP's server. And that means that your ISP knows where you visit and they can sell that information. And they do right. sell that information about which websites are popular, who's going to them from particular zip codes and things like that. So there's a sort of a privacy side to this, which is we said one of the things we could do is change the privacy angle on this and make a resolver which is private as well. Now, that brings up a ton of issues that I really want to get into because this is where it starts getting interesting <laughs> For my, now that we've covered the basics. So privacy and security is something that generally wasn't you – know, back in the days when the original internet was put together, the, those concerns were not at the top of the list. And so we've had to layer on these protections as the years have gone by. 
uh, to, to varying degrees. But for whatever reason, DNS has never really, until recently, as far as, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, has not really seen that attention. And, and yet it's so fundamental. As you said, it's every time you go to a website, you're, you're asking by default, usually your ISP, hey, I want, where's Google.com? Where can I find Amazon.com? Where can I find this? I don't know, maybe less, like, as you say, you know, uh, a little more shady site that I might not want my ISP to, to record. Um, but it's, if it's wide open and anybody can see it, uh, even if I was using your service, for example, it's not encrypted. It's not even authenticated normally. Uh, so even then my ISP, because the packets are traveling through their network, they could still, even though they're not my DNS server, they could still see this, correct? Yes, that's right. And by the way, I don't think you should think about this in terms of shady websites. For example, sure. if I go, if I go to WebMD, right, because right. I'm worried about some health thing, then maybe I don't want my ISP to know that I'm looking up health yes. information. Good point. Uh, so there are lots of reasons why you want to stay private that are not at all nefarious. Correct. Um, but yes, it, it's true that DNS has in some ways been sort of left on the wayside in terms of security for a long time. And I think that's because there was a much bigger thing to worry about, which is, is my actual web browsing secure? So mm -hmm. it's one thing that your ISP knows where you go and sells that information. It's another if people can actually see the content. So, you know, as we are today, most websites are now using HTTPS, yes. and there's going to be very, very big movement for this, as Google yes. is going to start saying everything that's HTTP is not secure. So we're going to force everything to HTTPS. That stops my ISP or anybody else knowing what it was I was looking up on WebMD. So that's good, right. because I, don't, I may not want them to know the actual medical condition that I might be looking <laughs> right. But so, so we've sort of had to solve that problem, and that's been necessary to make the web secure for things like banking and e-commerce, and also to, to maintain a certain level of privacy about you know our personal lives. The next step, once you've sort of, you've stopped people now looking inside your letters, if you like, mm -hmm. right, reading the contents of the letter you're writing to somebody, now, now you wanna, now the real move is, can you stop somebody looking at the address you're writing right. to? So that's what's going on here, which is we've sort of solved one problem mostly, and now it's like, well, let's go to the next level. And so that's what, the security around DNS is all about. And I know this gets hyper-technical. I'm not sure how much we could really get into this, but there are technologies that are coming on the scene. There's DNSSEC, there's DNS over HTTPS. Uh, you know, and I know people's eyes are, their eyes are already starting to glaze over, but at, just at some sort of high level, how are we solving that problem? How how do we go from this uh, thing where the lookup itself is, is um, unauthenticated and, and not private to where it is. What, what kind of technologies are, are they there now? Can we use them now? Uh, does your service office offer those? What, what do we do to take advantage of those things if they are there? And, and just what are they doing? Right. So you mentioned a couple of different things. There's a thing called DNSSEC, there's a thing called DNS over HTTPS, and there's a thing called DNS over TLS, all of which sound monstrous, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's talk through them. One of the things about DNS is if you ask a DNS server for a, a, a you say this name and I want this IP address and it replies, you just accept the reply as, as the truth. But it turns out that because of the way DNS works, uh, somebody in the path, somebody on the same network as you could actually reply to one of your your requests. Mm -hmm. if, it re if it replied faster <laughs> than your ISPs right. or, or whatever DNS resolve you're using, you would accept the lie very likely. <laughs> And so that's a bad thing, so that you could be sent somewhere else. And this does happen from time to time. And so there's a thing called DNSSEC, which is really around making it provable in some cryptographic way that the reply is what you 
you know, what was intended by the original owner of that domain name, right? Google.com, for example. Mm-hmm. So that's DNSA. That's one technology that's quite, and it's being quite widely rolled out now. Then there's these other two things, DNS over HTTPS and DNS over TLS. And really the idea here is to say, look, the important part is looking up a name and getting the IP address, getting the number associated with it. The unimportant part is the actual technical implementation, which today is this unauthenticated, plain text, send it out, just get a response, accept the response as valid world. And so we say, why don't we forget about that? Because we just need to go from name to number. And so we already have a way to do secure connections on the web. It's called HTTPS. You're using it to go to your to, to a website, right? And so the idea is, well, let's do the DNS query. Let's ask for these names using a connection that is secured by HTTPS. And so that's really what's going on. And it's possible to configure a web browser, particularly Firefox is very good at this, to instead of just using normal, boring, plain text, you know, tell everybody the whole world, DNS, you can actually use DNS over HTTPS and you can tell it to use a server that handles that. And so ours does, 11111, and others do. And, and that way, the ISP does not have any idea what website you're going to from DNS. There may be other ways they can figure that out, but not from the DNS query. Okay, great. So, so basically, once I figure out how to set this up, and we'll talk about that toward the end of the show, um, how to actually make these changes. But once I've set it up, once I've chosen four uh, ones or or one of these other services that support these uh, privacy and security features, it just works. I don't. There's nothing else I need to do. No, that's right. So basically, you you go in there and you there's some configuration to be done on, on your computer, perhaps on your operating system or in the browser, depending on how you're doing it. And after that, it just happens. It just works. There's nothing else after that. So one of the questions I want to uh, ask you before we get too much further is how do these services make money? They're giving these things away for free. And it, we've often had the discussion on the show uh, with guests, and I've kind of you know, proposed this myself, is when things start getting free, you need to start wondering what the what the revenue model is and, and make sure that – because really what you're doing in this case, just like with a VPN service, is you're trading the trust for your ISP for your VPN service, or in this case, for your DNS service, if you're not using your ISP service, you're, you know, whereas before you were giving all this juicy, potentially juicy information to your ISP, now you're giving it to somebody else who's promising not to do anything with that, uh, which your ISP probably is not. So there's that, there's that, but, um, you know, so what is the revenue? Is this out of the goodness of your heart? How do, how do we as, as consumers look at this and say that this is an altruistic thing and I can trust you? So I, there are two answers to that. So there's the, financial motive from Cloudflare's perspective, and there's also about the culture of Cloudflare. So let's just talk about the culture, and then I'll talk about the financial. The culture of Cloudflare is we're trying, our, our sort of tagline is helping to build a better internet. And we think that the more you can have security on the internet, um, the better we all are off, and, then, and therefore the internet becomes more valuable, therefore our company becomes more valuable. So we were the first people to offer free SSL, that's free HTTPS, websites and have millions and millions of customers doing that to secure those connections and so offering this service which has very strong privacy um, you know rules around it and we're not tracking what we're doing and we're not keeping information about you know we're not selling it to anybody um, is a way of making the internet better it's also faster so your experience is better and that's good because we think the internet is a valuable thing now let's talk about the financial motive the financial motive is what I described before, which is because we have a very, very large number of customers, uh, about 9 million sites using us, if someone at home is using our resolver, our 1111 resolver, 
going to one of our customers, there will be it'll be even faster to get to that customer's website. And so that's what we're, you know, the reason for us providing a service is that we built out this large network. It was economic for us to offer this service, and it enhances the service that our customers are paying us for. So we don't need your data. We don't need to know where you're going. We don't need to sell any of this stuff. This this has is it sort of a secondary effect that is valuable to us, and the primary effect is you know this for us is about can we make things better? We yes we can. We can make it faster and more secure. Okay, well let's do that. And oh by the way, we think it will provide us a financial benefit because our our own customers will see that their websites are faster and higher up in Google and all sorts of things like that. Wonderful. Thanks for explaining that because I, I it's a question I get often, uh, and I so I just want to make sure we touch on that aspect of it. Um, back to the security aspects of this, uh, some of the services, the, the other DNS services I know offer things like blocking, I guess what they call are known malicious websites. And, and the, the yes. question we is certainly raised, how do they know what's good and what's bad? Is that, is that something that Cloudflare offers now with 1111 or something that they are going to offer in the future? And if not, why not? And, um, and how would that actually, how does that work? Who decides, who gets to decide what's a good or a bad website or a dangerous website? Well, you just asked the right question at the end, which is who decides. So the answer is no, we do not offer blocking uh, of the we will resolve any name out there. Um, and no, we do not plan to offer blocking. Um, we So fundamentally, we're trying to make the web available to everybody. That means making it available in all countries around the world, on any sort of device. So you've got an old phone or you've got a really old version of Windows. We want the web to work for you and be fast. And so it would go against that philosophy to say, we've decided these things are bad um, and block them. And we think that it's actually not super effective to do that at the DNS level. And it just turns out that's the wrong combination of technologies to use. So no, we will. this is a unfiltered, unlogged, private DNS service. Um, and there may be some people who say, hey, I actually, I want to pay for a DNS service that blocks all adult material. Mm -hmm. Fine. That sounds great. Go pay for that. <laughs> right. Do that. Um, we're happy for you to do that. You talked a little bit before about you mentioned the the sort of the man in the middle attack where you know if you have an unsecured DNS, you send out your request, and if somebody sees the request go by and manages to reply faster than the real service, they could you know get up to bad things. Uh, I wanted to go one more step further on that to make sure people understand how crucially bad that is. Um, Especially in the day of let in the days of let's encrypt, where as you said also said earlier that we've Google and others have been pushing uh, to get HTTPS uh, much more ubiquitous, and that one of the efforts was this let's encrypt thing, which it used to be that when you went, when you went that last little s on your website, you had to pay somebody to get a certificate and and all these sorts of things, and a lot of companies just didn't bother. Now it's free. One one downside to that is that now all the bad guys can actually set up websites with a nice little green lock icon that a lot of people equate to being good. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how that works and, and, and how your solution will address that? Well, I think you're right. I think people, uh, some people have the idea that it's secure, therefore it's good or genuine in some right. way, right? But, but I think what's going to happen is that because everything is going to be secure, particularly because the Chrome team is forcing that, um, that attitude is going to change. We're going to we're just going to say the connection is secure. It doesn't tell me anything more than I have a that no one's snooping on this connection. You know, I might not actually be talking to Bank of America, and I better check that by looking at the actual URL that's in the browser and make sure it makes sense. Um, but 
it, it won't tell us anything more than yes, I've got a secure connection. So I think that's fundamentally that's going to be a big change as people come to understand that everything is now there. And in fact, the Chrome team is playing around with what they think the design should look like, so that we don't mislead people into you know thinking that something is um, something that it's not. Right. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of the brass tacks then. So the, I, I've bought this, I've drunk the Kool-Aid, I know that this is something I'd like to do, I'd like to you know, ditch my ISP's DNS, and I want to use, let's say, Cloudflare's DNS. Now what? what how, where do I go to make that change? Uh, if, I, you know, if, if you're explaining this to the average user, how, do they, how can you possibly help them figure out how to make this change on their own? Well, the, the easiest answer is go to 1.1.1.1. That's four ones. Um, uh, in your web browser, and we have detailed instructions for all sorts of operating systems and phones and things like that, which will tell you. Fundamentally, somewhere in your in your operating system will be a, the settings for a DNS server, probably in the network setting. Where, and you're literally changing whatever the IP address is that your ISP gave you into 11111 and the backup, which is 1001, because uh, you always have a couple mm-hmm. of servers in case one fails. And so... Our website gives you all the details and step-by-step instructions for that. Um, if you want to go and use the secure version in your web browser, then it's a little bit more complicated, but there are details on um, the Cloudflare website, uh, which tells you how you know how to use that uh, because you're configuring something in your web browser. Um, and right now, um, Mozilla is making a huge push with Firefox mm-hmm. uh, towards using uh, DNS over HTTPS. Uh, to keep things private. Yep. So yeah, I, I love Firefox, and I, 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 I that's always the browser of choice that I that I recommend for folks. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to see all the work they're doing. Google, I think Google's doing some great work there too. But I just can't, I can't get over the fact that Google knows so much about me already. I have a hard time. For, you know, security. I think those guys are doing great stuff for privacy. I just can't, I can't swallow it. So I always Firefox is usually what I, what I recommend. So once I do this. And this is this is the one that always gets me. Even as a software engineer, I have not figured out a good way to do this. How do I know that once I've set it up that it's actually working? Because DNS does a lot of forwarding. You know, some, often your computer says talk to your router, and then your router says talk to your ISP, and so it's 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 removed. There's a lot of indirection going on. Once I've gone to the trouble of setting this up, is there any way for me to figure out that I've actually got it set up correctly? Well, um, it depends how familiar you are with the terminal in your computer. Right. I was afraid you were so, going to say that, but go ahead. Let's go there. So, so, so you can, you can go to your terminal. So on a Mac, that's the terminal and you can type dig, which is the command that will look up, um, uh, a, a name and find its IP address. And, um, you know, straight away there, you can see, you'll see an answer and at the bottom. It will tell you the server you use. It will say, Hey, I used one, 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 one for this. And there are similar things you can do on Windows as well. Um, but yes, it, admittedly, it is a little tricky to know to know what is happening because it's one of those things that's kind of buried in yeah. the guts of the operating system. Um, so you need to get down a little bit dirty <laughs> and use something like Dig to try that out to uh, you know to see if it happens. Hopefully, the answer is you won't need to know because you'll find that your web browsing got faster um, <laughs> because we're because we're so much faster than others. So you said you said that multiple times, and I meant to bring this up earlier. When you say faster, when people think of the internet, oh, it's speed of light, or these websites are already faster. I've got gigabit connections, or whatever. How much faster is faster? Is it is it how noticeable is this improvement? Well, it's an interesting question because it's so hard for people to you know 
to know in some ways um, because they're looking at, you know, uh, they were browsing and maybe it's slow right now because the internet is slow in your, uh, you know, in your part of the world. But we see people, you know, saying it's noticeable as they browse around, particularly browsing around to websites they don't commonly go to Mm. because they very quickly get the name back. Um, So I think, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things that's worth thinking about when you go to some, somewhere you don't normally go to and you probably find out, you know, oh, look, it looks, it looks faster to me. There are actually DNS benchmarking uh, tools that you could use as well, right? Um, that if you really wanted to get like a raw number uh, on looking up uh, and checking various DNS services. Absolutely. There are definitely, um, you know, ben- you know, there definitely are benchmarks. I mean, um, Steve Gibson, mm-hmm. GRC, he has a thing called DNS Benchmark, which will try out all sorts of servers and tell you which one is the closest and which one is the fastest near to you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there definitely are. I mean, we're pretty sure we're the fastest, but, you know, you absolutely can get, you know. Um, and DNS Perf is a website which will tell you, um, you know, uh, about performance of different resolvers around the world. So, yeah, I mean, you can go and try some of these benchmarking tools if you're if you're so inclined. <laughs> well, I'll definitely put those in the show notes. We'll check it out. Now, we can't we can't finish this podcast without getting into the launch of 411 or the launch of the 41s thing because it was it, it met a little bit of controversy and a lot of people thought it was not actually a real thing because you launched it on April 1st, which is of course is April Fool's Day. I've got to hear the story behind that. How did how did you guys decide to do that and how did that go? Well, so honestly, uh, Matthew Prince, who's the CEO of Cloudflare, told us that was what was going to happen. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, it's going to be 11111, and it's going to launch on 4-1, you know, in the U.S. state system, April 1st, yeah. right? And um, partly just for the fun of it, and partly because there are some other services which are famously launched on April 1st, in particular Gmail. That's right. Uh, people, thought, people, people thought it might have been a joke, and I think people thought this might have been a joke. And there, there were people initially who were like, is this a joke? And they're like, no, this works, and it's faster than everything else, and you know, um, so it was kind of just for fun, and I, and I also like the four one one aspect of it. So when I used to live in the U.S., you know, four one one was the number for information, mm-hmm. and you can think of DNS as kind of information right. for the internet. So, so if you need to remember it, it's four ones. It's a bit like four one one, or it's four one. It's April the first. Lots of ways to remember. <laughs> but if you go to one 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 on your in your web browser, you'll find out all the information about how to configure your device and how it works, and also the privacy guarantees around it. Well, that's fantastic, and I hope that hope that all our listeners check that out because I, I use it myself, and it's it's it is wonderful. But, um, so before we go, uh, what else is Cloudflare up to? You guys have, have come out of the um, and solved all sorts of really interesting problems that a lot of people don't realize, maybe, but you've hinted at earlier. But you guys have been behind protecting a lot of websites against web attacks and things like that, and you've come out with services like Four Ones. What else are you guys working on? What's coming down the pike for you guys? Well, it's the thing I probably would have people think about and then you know depending on if you're not super technical you probably never thought about this but if you go and visit a website or a web service somewhere um you're visiting a server which is probably a long way away from you and we can only really make things faster if we can bring them close to the end user which is you know what happened with our dns one 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 it's close to the end user that make, makes it faster i mean no matter how smart we are the speed of light is a problem so you end up being being close is better um and there's a sort of fundamental movement going on in, in the world right now of software engineering, which is a thing called serverless, which means you're trying not to run your, your code on some big server somewhere. You're trying to run it sort of like in the internet. And actually what it really means is on 
someone else's machine close to the end mm. user. So I think the big thing Cloudflare is doing right now, we have this thing called Workers, which allows people to write a program and then give it to us and we'll run it for them. And we'll run it in our hundreds of locations around the world. And that's that we're seeing have a big speed up, another big speed up for end users. So this won't be something that a consumer will configure on their machine, but they may find that um, websites and applications get a lot faster because the code that fundamentally runs somewhere in the cloud, somewhere to run that service has been moved a lot closer to them uh, using this serverless technology. So that's a that's a big thing that's happening, and, and perhaps not obvious if you're not a programmer and not thinking about how do I make my things faster. And and it's been such a story that, uh, of computing and the internet in general, where there's been this pendulum swing back and forth between, you know, centralized and decentralized, and central, you know, mainframes and PCs, and and it's it just it seems to constantly toggle back and forth. We find new reasons to go one way or the other. Um. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Thank you very much, John, for coming back. That was great. That was good, a really good explanation of what this service is. It's so crucial that we all use every all the time and don't ever think about. And uh, this service is yep. really fun, and, and it's always great to talk to you. And we'll need to get back together sooner than uh, a year next time. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to come back and chat with you. It's been great talking. Take care. Thank John Graham coming one more time for coming on the show again. It's always wonderful to have him. He's such a great person to talk to. Uh, and I encourage everybody to check out the, their DNS service uh, for ones, 1.1.1.1. If you go to that address on your web browser, if you just type in 1.1.1.1, it will take you to their site and give you all the information you need to help you get set up with that. Um, I highly recommend giving that a shot. If nothing else, it should make your uh, web lookups a lot faster. Uh, but it also adds some some other great features as well. And use it in conjunction with Firefox, and you'll start getting some privacy and security features as well. Um, it's a it's a great tool. It's a welcome addition to our tool chain, and something I'm very proud to uh, talk about on the show and promote to all of our listeners. You can check out the website for the show. Go to the show notes. I've got some other links that, for you to check out there. You can also check out my book, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons, on Amazon.com. It's got uh, well over 100 tips on how to keep safe and secure and private on the web. And it's not, not only great for yourself, but it's a great book to get to you for your friends and relatives, especially those that might be a little less savvy than you when it, when it comes to <laughs> working with computers. And of course, you can always check out the website, firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com, where I maintain a blog and you can sign up for my newsletter, which comes out every other week now uh, with the tip of the week. Usually, it's often in conjunction with the same tip of the week that we talk about here, but it's usually have pictures and links and other information that might make it easier to follow. Some people just prefer to get their uh, technical instructions in text uh, and pictures rather than voice. So check that out as well. It's always a great addition to what we talk about here. So I've got another uh, Castle Defense 101 show coming up here for you soon, either next week or the week after. I'm going to talk to you about encryption and give you a little bit of historical background and some very interesting stories that I think you'll find fascinating. I find it completely fascinating, but of course, that's me. I kind of, that's kind of my thing. But hopefully you will, too. Uh, it's all explained in uh, non-technical terms, and uh, I think it's very interesting. And hopefully you'll tune into that one. Uh, stay tuned. That'll come up soon. And some more great interviews coming down the pike. So lots of great stuff coming up. Tune in every week. And uh, as always, until then, stay safe and don't get caught with your drawbridge down.